filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster We just, we're just going straight into it, huh? I mean, I could cut that out, but it's, it's, it's a, a, we call that a teaser in the business. (laughs) It's it's not quite in media res, but it's, it's close. Yeah, sure. And speaking of film, Ben, you have news. Yeah. Um, my mom was in, you can see her multiple times in the terrible Ted Bundy movie starring Zac Efron on Netflix uh, that came out recently. So if you look for a uh, white woman in her 60s that's in the background, you may see my mom on Netflix, which is pretty cool. That is a good reason to watch a thing. I don't know if it's a good enough reason to watch this thing, which seems very right, problematic. You should, you should fast forward through all the parts of that movie, except when you think you might see a <laughs> woman in her early 60s in the background. Right. Here's what you do. You find Ben's mom on Facebook and friend her. No, no, no. I'm already <laughs> wrong. No, I'm already against that. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and don't stalk Ben's mom on Facebook podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. He's Ben Bromley. He's Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. And this week, damn it, we're talking about a win. DC United beat the Columbus crew 3-1 to one this past weekend, and uh, we're going to talk about it. We're also going to invite Cody Bradley onto the show to preview DC United's upcoming visit from the Sporks, Sporting Kansas City, coming to town this Sunday, Mother's Day. Watch it on Fox Sports 1 at 7-ish. It will probably be... I believe 20 or so minutes I believe after Steve Goff uh, has already tweeted that the kickoff will be 725. Okay. So 725 coverage starts at seven. I believe it'll say seven on your tickets. If you're going um, just, we'll, no, you we'll have a little bit of flexibility. Through, we'll all go through the cycle where we all get angry about there's being a pregame show and MLS doesn't tell us and everyone gets mad at the same thing. They keep getting mad at. But if it's on national TV, we all should know this already. So stop getting yes. mad about it. it y- yes. But Before you, you we know, get mad about that or anything else, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I got some uh, Tanqueray gin. I got some tonic. I'm mad about it. I got some lime. I got a cup. I put those things actually. all uh, together and I have a gin and tonic. I'm not actually mad about it. Gin and tonics are good. They are. It's not really gin and tonic weather, but I wanted gin. Super yeah. hot down here. Is it not super hot up there? It's not. Uh, it's, no, it's in like this mid 60s right now. Yeah, well, it was right upper now, 60s well, well, here in DC today. It was, was cloudy all day. It never Wait, got. The high, the high up there was mid 60s? Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it was got to 70 or so, but it was yeah, cloudy. The, the it was a weird, humid kind of 70. Yeah. Which it was muddy, made it seem, but not yeah. hot. It yeah. Was 85 it was, down here. You probably got it in, why don't you? No, I don't want it. I want your weather. 
Yeah. You can have well, my weather. I want your weather. Well, ben, rest assured, we're going to get your weather pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, no, but I want your weather instead. I don't want you, us both to have the same no, weather. No, unfortunately, we're we're all going to get stuck with the bad. It's coming. Well, I just want I'm getting ready all the time. <laughs> spring is a lie, Ben. I mean, in this exist. age of global warming, yes, it is, but <laughs> yeah. I want it. If wanting made it so, uh, I, I'm drinking a Mark. I'm I'm drinking, getting ready for summer, and I guess it was also Cinco de Mayo last weekend. Uh, so I've just got 100% agave tequila, some fresh squeezed lime juice, some triple sec. Which tequila? Uh, the cheapest 100% agave tequila that I could find. The, the Ben Bromley tequila. <laughs> I mean, yes, but <laughs> you, you really want to know what tequila I'm drinking, Ben? Yes, I do. Kirkland. Oh man! I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking Costco's house tequila I mean, because uh, it is the not... cheapest 100. You you said you are always no, no, in no, favor no, no. of the cheapest 100 percent agave tequila. I, I defy you man, to find something no, 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 cheaper no. than that. My old man is just that here in Virginia, since we have alcoholic beverage control, we cannot access. Uh, they do not allow uh, Costco's to sell Kirkland brand tequila, so we have no access to that here. So that oh man was a I'm jealous I cannot drink Costco brand tequila. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And appreciated. Ben, what are you drinking? Amarg. <laughs> <laughs> also with 100% ag- uh, agave tequila like is uh mandatory on this show, but since we don't have access to uh uh, Kirkland Signatures 100% Agave Tequila. Uh, I am drinking Lunazul uh, Tequila in my mark. All right, shall we get to the soccer? I mean, Deep. no, because Ted Uncle is bad, but. Well, there yes. are other things to talk about. We just have to power through the uncle part. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to set I, it up. We're going to do the uncle part, and then we'll get to the other stuff. We, we have right, to take our medicine. Gotta, yeah, th- this is the vegetables. Okay. Vegetables are good. This is the vegetables when you are a moody, almost five year old. Not that I have any specific experience <laughs> with that right now. Yeah, good. Analogies were settled. All right. DC United took at least a step back toward their strong Audi field form this weekend, dispatching the Columbus crew three to one Saturday night on buzzard point. Uh, Lucho Acosta opened the scoring off of a free quit free kick. Wayne Rooney uh, scored from the penalty spot before Paul Ariola made it three, nothing. We're just not going to talk about Bill Hamid's own goal. That's a, that's a bad vegetable. I mean, we're not going to, we're not going to eat we, that we, one. What, what's your least favorite vegetable, Adam? What vegetable would that be? Uh, parsnips? I don't know. Hmm. I like vegetables too now. I'm a grown-ass yeah. man. I like vegetables. Um, right. I don't know. Uh, badly cooked something? Overcooked asparagus? Go with that. Overste- oversteamed broccoli. Yeah, any, any vegetable that's just grossly overcooked. We'll go with that. I actually really don't like raw broccoli either. Or raw cauliflower. Cook them and they're delicious, but raw, no thank you. Anyway, uh, the, the vegetables we are going to eat, of course, the thing dominating conversation around this game is Ted 
the horrible black hole of darkness uncle who both created and then nullified a Columbus crew goal goal that would have made it one, nothing to the visitors. Um, For anyone who didn't see this play somehow um, Columbus chips the ball in uh, Jesse Zardes fouls Frederick Briant, which is actually just incidental to, to this story. Uh, The ball comes out. The ball comes out to Leo Hara who passes square to Lucho Acosta Somehow Ted uncle like jumps in Acosta's way um, and allows the ball to go through, but stops Acosta from playing it at the same time. Will trap comes in from the other side to kind of sandwich Acosta kicks his heel just a little bit. Acosta falls down. Like what the hell man? Uh, I, I just got played by the referee and fouled by uh, a Columbus crew player. Ted uncle throws his hands up like, oops, what can I do? Got to play on now. Uh, Trap passes it to. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Pedro uh, Santos. Thank you, Pedro Santos, who who scores. Bill Hamid could maybe have done better on the play. Uh, Santos scores at the near post. One nothing. Except it goes to VAR, and uh, Ted Uncle calls it back for a foul well, on Will Trap. Well, it goes to VAR, and then for three minutes, everyone was like, "What is what is he calling back here? It's his own fault. I mean, he got in the yeah. way, but that's not retractable." Um, yeah. And then I mean, I mean at that point, it was clear somebody fouled Lucho Acosta. We just all assumed that somebody was Ted Uncle. It was not a foul by a Columbus crew player, at least we thought in the stadium. Um, but when he came back and nullified it, I was cackling in my seat in section 131. Literally cackling. <laughs> um, because it was just so bizarre at that point. And it had taken so long. Like It was, it was like three minutes before he even went to look at the the play it seemed like um yeah, and that's something we could talk about as well if there's, there's, there's so many issues be, yeah there's so many issues with everything on this play i feel like ben jumped in with the first um objection can i get on my soapbox for my my, my main obje- objection my main objection is the foul that jossie zardes uh did on frederick briand before all of this happened <laughs> Jesse Zardes fouled Frederick Beyond 25 yards from DC United's goal, and it is insane to call advantage on a foul 25 yards from your own goal. That should have been called a foul, everything stops, and nothing else happens. And and even if you do call advantage there, when the next touch results in a turnover, <laughs> it, it should be pulled back. Because the advantage stop, never developed. My stuff. I, I, was, I was leaving a pause for emphasis, and then you're stepping on my stuff. But yes, exactly. Uh, Leo Hara, Hara took one touch and then passed it into Ted Uncle. And then, because he was trying to get to uh, uh, Lucho Acosta. And then, regardless of the foul or not foul that uh, Will Trapp committed, Ted Uncle could have called it back there and been like, and could have just negated the advantage that he had called previously. Because he definitely called advantage. There was a big Ted Uncle uh, arm throw forward for advantage. So on both ends, he should have never given advantage in the first place. That just should have been a foul because there's no way, like I, I, he was trying to like be like, oh, you're on the break. I'm going to call advantage, but it was Which, 25 yards from your own goal. There's so much that can go wrong. He should have just called the foul and let them take a free kick. I have no yeah. problem with with giving advantage there if the advantage develops if acosta gets the ball and launches it forward to uh paul Ariola in acres of space give me that advantage for sure but as soon as 
the the first touch of the ball essentially results in a turnover, there's no advantage. It never developed. Um, even if the ball sprung to our guy for half a second, that's not a influenced by applicable. The yeah, it's not an applicable advantage to my mind. And you're right; it should have come back, and it should have been a free kick for United a little deeper than the free kick they ultimately got many minutes later. I think it mostly comes down to Ted uncle had a really bad night. He's, and done, he's had a done. lot of those. We are not even done the errors he made before oh, no, getting to VAR. Um, no. Because How, what, what was he what, doing running into Acosta? What you guys, yeah. What, what I'm, what my objection here is, is after the Zardes Brian incident, the ball comes to Leo Hara Hara looks inside. He's, he's the man on the ball. So uncle's looking at him. Hara looks inside for Lucho Acosta, who as a referee, you have to know DC is going to be passing to a lot. Um, so Leo Hara is like, I want to pass this way. And Ted uncle, his line, the run he's taking uh, to move up field is in potentially can cross the path of this pass that Leo Hara is clearly looking to play. Um, and as a referee, you are supposed to understand that and not get yourself in the way. You slow down for a moment, and then if you have to sprint to make up that slowdown, then you have to sprint. Um, but instead, he stares at Leo Hara, even after Hara strikes the ball to come to Acosta, and realizes when the ball's like halfway there that the ball is coming to him. To uh, This is Uncle. Uncle realizes the ball's coming right at him, um, but doesn't really seem aware that uh, Acosta's there until they are actually physically making contact with each other. He was not aware of many things. Um, and so it, he turns up field and runs too fast. Um, it's a lack of awareness of his positioning. Uh, it's a lack of awareness of where the other field players are on the field. And these might sound like small things, but these are major things. When referees get together to work on the finer points of of doing this when PRO brings referees in for preseason to train them on things. This is most of what they do is stuff like this so that the referee can not be in the way and can be in positions where he can actually see the action and make accurate calls. Um, and so from an awareness and physical positioning standpoint, this, that is why he gets himself in so much trouble. Um, you know, the misjudgment of the advantage is bad, to me, the his ability to position himself in the world is worse. It's like watching someone walk a shopping cart straight into a display full of stuff and be like, oh, what did I do? Um, it's it, uh, honest to God. I went to maddening. a Wegmans in Prince George's County once mm-hmm. and got run into by shopping carts more times than I've ever been. <laughs> In the rest of my life combined. Was this was this when the Wegmans was new? Because you might have had people just wandering around like, oh, look at that. I don't know. It was it may have been, but I mean, it's not that old of a Wegmans standing at the it it was a few like a few years ago. So it may have been very new at the time, but like standing at the the meat counter, like to Mm -hmm. get us like at the the butcher counter and just like, bam, right in my ankle or or like. (laughs) Reaching to get tortillas and just boom, all of my this knees is been just busted. Ted Uncle chasing you around the, the grocery <laughs> store, uh, and Ted, yet somehow blindly colliding with you. Um, Ted you Uncle is a master of disguise because these people uh, looked very not like Ted Uncle. Yeah, <laughs> just age, 
gender, race. I mean, many different variations of differences. So, so kudos to Ted Uncle for yeah. for being really good at disguise. But learn how to master. push a shopping cart, man. Learn how to not run into the, the best player on a team. He's a master of disguise. He's not a master of reffing. Okay. I'm... <laughs> While we've been talking about this, I've had the sequence up on uh, ESPN Plus to make sure I have my details correct. Um, and I just jumped from the moment uh, Pedro Santos has sprinted away to celebrate to when it gets waved off. And it is it's not three minutes. It's two minutes and 50 seconds of review time <laughs> that also. Uh, and this is one of Caleb Porter's complaints. One of his many complaints was that um there were like there were two different nearly three minute VAR stoppages in this game, plus yes. two bookings, another one minute, plus two goals, uh, one of which was a penalty that took the, so, some time, uh, and he gave four minutes of stoppage time. It should have been at least six, and probably yes. like seven or eight. Oh, Can yeah. I jump back in with another one of my uh, uh, yes. soapboxes? Go ahead, Ben. We, no, I, yes, uh, we. They shouldn't be standing there in the middle of the field with their like finger on their ear. Either tell them it's nothing or tell them to go to the review board. Don't don't just have a conversation in the middle of the field for two minutes before going to the review board. It shouldn't See, take that long to be like, just go review it or don't. It's fine. There needs to be more. It needs to be quicker in that part of VAR. I, th- I feel like that's the part of VAR that is the slowest. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I do remember... There's a video that went around of a, I think, New Zealand referee who is leaving to go referee in the English championship. And it was his last game. And they had him mic'd up and they had the radios um, patched in as well. And after the fact, they 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 released this video of him and, and it included a VAR. And he, he talks about, you know, it's like, you know, we're going to check it. We're going to check it. And he, he talks to him as like, Tell me what you see. And and they talk about what it has. It's like, should I go to the video board just to sell it? I think I need to. The players are expecting me to. So I'm going to go do that. And mm-hmm. it was it was this really kind of pragmatic approach. But he was managing the players. Yes. Which right. is part of the very least, Which is definitely part least, of it. But it was a very quick decision. Yes. Even like talking through, this is what I saw. These are the elements of that matter. And we're not talking about anything else. Just I, I can't remember whether it's an offside or, a, or I think it was an offside dispute. And he was like, did this player touch the ball? Was he in an offside position? And they went through just the, the checklist really quick. And he's like, all right, let me just check the video to confirm it. The whole thing took a minute, but it was right. because they, they knew what they were doing. They were very quick. And a lot of MLS referees are not. And right. I don't and know uh, if it's training or just them being stubborn or what. But Another man. thing they could do to, to reduce the time spent is even if he wants to talk, Talk while you're walking towards the sideline, at least, just so it reduces the amount of time. You don't have to just stand in the middle of the field and have a chat. You could just walk towards the board while you're talking and then sprint back. Like, you're supposed to be in enough shape to sprint very briefly, <laughs> at least. So, and show it. Uh, I, uh, For me, I think that the amount of time this took is actually part of the problem now. If... If it takes a two-minute conversation, it's not clear and obvious. Yeah. And if it's not right. clear and obvious, then you can't use VAR. Um, so, I mean, I and feel And that was like, what PRO feel, said, basically. And we're recording right. this on Wednesday, and the professional referees organization, PRO, came out and said that basically everything about this, as we are saying, everything about this was wrong. Um, they focused on the VAR. Like, the, the, the video assistant referee should not have 
flag this for review because it was not clear and obvious. Uh, and, and then uh, Ted uncle should not have overturned it because uh, it was not clear and obvious. And I think that's fair there there. I would say there was a foul on Lucho Acosta by Will Trap. I think that he, he did kick Lucho's heel, which contributed to him falling and beyond all that, go back to the advantage call. It never should have even gotten to VAR because the goal never should have been the, the ball never should have made it to the back of the net because he should have whistled the earlier foul on Jesse Zardes. But even once you get to the review, you can make the argument that there's a foul there. I don't know if you can make the argument that it's a clear and obvious mistake not to to give that foul, especially given some of the calls that go uh, un, ungiven by Ted Uncle through the rest of this game. So I, I will take my medicine there and, and own that. But real quick, because bef- bef- uh, we I want was to get still, out of this black hole. Your, oh, go ahead. Your, your intervention there was, I was like in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to complete my sentence. Um, complete your sentence. I, I, don't th- I don't want it to get to the point where MLS has to say these things have to be adjudicated in 30 or 45 seconds. But I also feel like I don't have any other ideas to prevent a two plus minute VAR discussion before check, Um, which, again, if you're talking about for two minutes and you haven't come up with a decision, it's not clear and obvious. It it proves itself. Um, So that's where I'm at with that one. I thought I will say the other two VAR calls he got were correct. Um, He shouldn't have needed help to call the penalty. Um, he was right there. Yeah. It shouldn't, he shouldn't have needed VAR to help him on that one, but that's he's happened bad before. At his job though. He's really bad. Um, and that maybe is the overarching thing. Um, I felt bad, uh, for we're sitting there in the press box and Pat Murphy from massive report was next to me. And, and, um, I had mentioned offhand to a couple people sitting with an earshot of me that I had the stream up. Um, and it was about 30 seconds behind real time. So if people needed something, um, that they could look over my shoulder and he's like, press box has Wi-Fi capable of sustaining a stream. It does. It does. Um, it didn't on the opening night, but it has since then. (laughs) Um, so I had the stream going and he's looking over. He's like, well, what do you see? Cause your, your team is probably getting the benefit here. And I was like, it's not clear and obvious. Um, and everyone's sitting there like, well, cause you can't hear the sound coming off of my laptop in a stadium full of booing fans. So, um, you know, turning the sound on was useless. It's like, well, what do you think? Are, are they checking for trap? Are they checking the Briant Zardes thing? Are they saying maybe Zardes threw an elbow? What are they checking? We're like, I don't, no one's telling us anything. We don't know. We don't know what's happening. Um, and after the call, I looked at, at, you know, I looked down the row. I was just like, you know, sometimes it's just uh, both, both teams needed a lucky break and, and DC happened to get that moment go, go their way. Because I will say Columbus, when they got what they thought was going to be their lucky break, with um, uh, Uncle knocking into Acosta and then the game continuing, they capitalized very quickly. They did a good job. Um, but then the lucky break was, I guess, destined by the lucky break gods to go DC's way no matter what. It's a long sentence, I know. That was a very long sentence. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think my English teachers in high school would have probably... Um, Needs an edit. Marked you down for that one. <laughs> I mean, uh, all of our... Run on. All of our English teachers would have uh, prevented us from writing anything on the website because we all go on far too long on the website. So that's fair. This fault. I'm sorry. I I talk too much about soccer. (laughs) 
Um, one thing on the VAR, it seemed to be a similar standard to um, Donovan Pine's goal in Minnesota being overturned, which that's bad too. Makes, so makes me feel like the the karmic balances of uh, misapplied VAR have have somehow evened out I just, over nah, the last I couple just weeks. Like I feel like a shit about both of them. I mean, one benefited DC United in a win, one cost DC United and lost, and they were both wrongly applied to my yeah. mind and so, i still feel bad about both of them yeah i mean you can feel bad but it also kind of kind of balances out which isn't always the case um no more ted uncle we're done yeah. we're escaping game. this black hole <laughs> screw physics we can we can get out of it escape velocity uh, which doesn't exist for a black hole when if adam escape velocity ben you got me damn it Scoreline aside, this game was maybe a bit more even than it seemed. Jason, I know you talked about this some, especially looking at the uh, the pass charts at halftime. DC United wasn't super clean on the ball on this one. Yeah, and, and they were, I mean, the pa- it's one of those where the passing accuracy looked decent, um, but they weren't able to get upfield. There was just a big arc um, around zone 14 and the Columbus box. It was just... DC was able to knock the ball around uh, towards the touchline, towards the center backs and back to the other touchline in a big U shape, but they weren't able to really get in very much at all. Um, Ironically, the times that they did get in ended up almost all being goals, um, (laughs) which is not really normally how things go. I guess when you're in, you know, Columbus is, uh, they might be doing well tonight um, since we're, I think there's several Wednesday games. I think they had one, Um, but up until then, DC's chances were basically limited to the chances that they turned into goals. Um, it's just that the re- the rest of the game was them being restricted, unable to really get in, really do much. Columbus wasn't doing much either. The first half was a strange one in that it had a lot of events and talking points, and yet not all that much in the way of good attacking soccer where the team's uh, showed some coordination and some of uh, the stuff that people pay money to come see soccer to see. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a weird one. Yeah. Looking, looking at Columbus at at their game tonight in a weird bit of symmetry, they went home to Columbus and beat the galaxy three to one, the same scoreline that DC United beat them over the weekend. So I don't know some numerology listeners are going to find a reason that that's significant. Somehow, uh, no, no one will. Numerology is dumb. Uh, somehow, uh, Montreal is also beating the Red Bulls, and Chicago is beating New England three to zero because New England is terrible. So, anyways, let's yeah. That's, I uh, mean, Montreal's good this year, maybe, and the Red Bulls have matter. not been. So it doesn't matter. I'm just providing an update and saying that numerology right. is bad. Um, maybe, I mean, honestly, maybe you know, not, not to get bogged down on Columbus, but maybe what they needed. Uh, I mean, what they needed was for the first goal to stand. Cause I think the game goes much differently if, if it does. Um, yeah, I mean, I think both teams were, were hinging on a good performance if they caught a good break and the break went to DC rather than Columbus. Um, but maybe they have been sparked into a better performance just through being angry and getting to play at home midweek. It's probably that more than being angry, uh, angry, yeah. but I mean, to the extent that teams, follow their coach's lead Columbus fell apart a little bit. You could argue oh, yeah. uh, 
and and Caleb Porter led them right off of that cliff. He was he was beside himself. He actually uh, said at halftime, we don't get and, any respect. He did like a Rodney Dangerfield bit. <laughs> uh he's not that short, is he? Caleb Porter? No, no, no. He's not he's not it's not shortness uh that's an issue. It's just uh <laughs> when the first thing you're saying is we don't get any respect. Uh I feel he's, like you're very he's close. He's not that good a coach. He's not that good a coach. Um I, I will say um after the game, Ben Olsen was you know, he he's aware that um Columbus is in a spot that DC in recent history has been in. And he was like, yeah, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. Cause we've been in that uh, state. Um, we've been in that sort of spot where even when you think you did something right, it doesn't work for whatever reason, you know, something comes along and takes it from you. Um, so he, he was very, you know, pretty magnanimous about not rubbing it in. He was like, yeah, you know, when you get into that place, of course you're upset. Uh, I've been that guy. Um, and I will say after they had their respective media availabilities, they were outside the locker room having a, a, a fairly friendly looking chat. So um, everyone calmed down, even Matt Reese, who got ejected uh, coming out to complain, um, which actually took the a- Matt Reese. Yes. The Matt Reese uh, is one of their assistants. And we actually, um, after the game, we're trying to make, cause we hadn't seen a confirmation of that for a little bit. And there was an attempt to uh, confirm which Columbus crew coach was sent off. And it's like, well, it's a tall white guy with a shaved head. And when, but if you go to the Columbus crew website and you go to their technical staff page, there are three different guys <laughs> on the assistant coach <laughs> section who all look like they could be tall and are definitely white guys with a shaved head. Um, but it was like, no, 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 it was Matt Reese. It was Matt Reese. Um, but still, it was kind of amusing that, that that look for the assistant coaches around the league is common enough that you might not be able to determine it by saying, the tall white guy with the shaved head. It's like, well, our team has three of them. Um, but yeah, everyone else was after the game was like, all right, all right. This was very irritating, but it's not necessarily your fault. Uh, <laughs> and uh, It's one of those where everyone sort of collectively understands who is at fault. It's Ted Uncle. Every time. Yes. <laughs> Always. Somehow the black hole keeps capturing us. Uh, I, I do want to say that DC United, to my eye, and granted, I was distracted by two kids for, for large portions of the game, uh, but they looked for stretches better than they have in most of their other games out of the, the three-back system that they've been been doing mm-hmm. in Joseph Mora's absence. Uh, there were even some olays coming from my corner of the stadium uh, late in the second half when United was possessing it in Columbus's half, which was real fun. Olays are fun. If you're listening to this and DC United is winning and possessing the ball, yell olay with every pass. Just do it. It's fun and good and a little bit mean, but mostly fun and good. Uh, so I, you I should do it if you're in the either. stadium. You don't like the olays, Ben? I think it's no, no, I don't. Oh man. I love the list. I hate it. I hate it so much when other teams uh, and Mexico fans are, they will shout Olay's in the third minute of the game. If Mexico is is possessing, but I I like them. Remember how bad we were. I do. Yeah. And when DC is good, don't. Well, the, the OLAs aren't a. I, I think we're looking at this all wrong. We're, we're not. They're not directed at the other team as a taunt, so much as a way to celebrate. If you're an away fan doing the OLAs, then you're taunting. 
But if you're at well, home, that's, that's you're why I think we shouldn't do it at the third minute. Like you're not celebrating no. anything in the third minute. No, Mexico fans do it as a taunt. I think as often as not. If it's in but the third minute, it just doesn't make any sense because when you're happens. when you're in the when you're in the 75th and the 80th either. minute, up two goals, right? And your team is possessing it and killing the game. You're you're celebrating with them. Ole. I'm also Midwestern. I I I can't I can't take credit for anything. <laughs> I can I can have no no good feelings. I'm too Midwestern to have mm. uh, to have any arrogance about anything. Yeah, I think I think my Midwesternness comes through by saying that Ted Uncle had a bad night and leaving it to interpretation on what my actual opinion of him is. But whereas you are willing to say he's bad at his job, Adam, and I, then I'm willing to do the LAs. We have different different applications okay. of Midwesternness. Anyway. Yeah. DC United, I thought they they started to figure things out a little bit in in this system, um, which is good because it's good to have multiple clubs in your bag, so to speak. I was still not 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 super. I feel like this formation is good, but still super fragile because had that goal stand, uh, had that goal stood, it w- it it was going to be super fragile and it might have fallen apart and fact that the first goal didn't stand is great for us but um it's still it's still fragile and it's even more fragile now that uh donovan pines is out for a couple of weeks yeah and we'll we'll get to that there's some there's some mitigating news to get into about that too which we talked about a little bit last week um are are we jumping away from the game uh not if you have something else about the game to say um (laughs) <laughs> I think uh, well, going back to what got us into the formation talk, um, I think it was clear that a week in training and actually getting to work on it uh, that showed um, we could you could see the evidence of a more collectively um, a more collective understanding of what's supposed to be happening, especially when play gets a little hectic. Uh, in previous instances, it seemed like a lot of uh, guesswork because they just hadn't had time to really work on it. Um, I think the other big factor in this performance going so well was that um, we went from wondering if Leo Hara was going to be able to play to Hara being the best player on the field by my judgment. And also the team gave him the guitar that goes to the man of the match. So, and he was in the MLS team of the week. Yeah. Um, And he was wailing away, uh, interrupting the media scrum with Luciano Acosta to make up a song and play the guitar on the spot. I don't. Is there video of that? I need video of that. Uh, It was very brief, uh, and I tried to get a photo or something, but I didn't have a good angle to actually. You could see like the neck of the guitar and his arm, but not (laughs) his face. So I gave up. Um, Taking photos in a locker room, you don't just want to go do that willy nilly. It's got to be yeah, yeah. So. but you know, it was it was a pretty good moment. Um, after a really good game, uh, he had six six completed uh, dribbles, um, uh, along with uh, what one assist, and then that's not on the the Lucho goal was not technically handed as an accredited as an assist, right? Um, but he was heavily involved in that. Um, I thought a lot of United's best moments came with just anytime he got on the ball, it seemed like something good was happening. The back heel on the goal uh, for for Ariola was really nice. Um, so he went from a guy that like, is he going to play? Uh, or if he does play, will he be limited? Will he have to come out at the hour mark? All that stuff to, you know, kind of terrorizing Columbus down that side of the field. So um, it 
it, not only was it a good sign for this game, it also means uh, when we heard, when I heard that Hara had a groin injury, I was like, oh, those are the kind of things that just, they, they kind of linger. They don't really go away unless you rest. And then the fact that he was playing, it's like, oh, he's going to be limited. And it might just be like, you know, six weeks of a limited version of Hara trying to gut this thing out. And also the possibility of him actually fully uh, having the strain and then he's out completely. Um, his performance, the energy he put in, um, the amount of, uh, you know, the number of sprints he was able to do, the amount of physical moments that he was able to get through without any sort of issue. It kind of puts all those fears to rest. It looks like he should be fine. Um, which is a really important sign because D- DC finally got a left back, uh, that isn't injured. And the last thing we needed was to have Hara go back on, you know, on the injured list again. Yeah. So can I, can I jump in really quick about Hara? Go ahead. I love I, I love Nick DeLeon. I like O'Neal Fisher, but it's been probably a decade or more since DC United has had somebody at Leo Hara's quality. And he's not perfect, as we've talked about, but just that one upgrade from Nick DeLeon to Leo Hara has made so much difference. And I know we've talked about it, but I just want to reiterate that it's so much of a difference and it allows DC United to unlock so many other things that this was a long time coming and DC United probably should have addressed it earlier, but now that they've addressed it, now that they have more money to address it, it's been a breath of fresh air to have somebody that good at that position. Yeah. It turns out if you go get a, um, a guy who started for a team that went to the Copa Libertadores final, um, that guy's going to be good. Yep. (laughs) And, and Hara's real good. Um, he, he seems to know what his deficiencies are as a player, know where his weak spots are. Those weaknesses, which is good. It's good to know yourself and know what you're capable of and, and what you have to do to, to adjust when, when you're faced with a, a different kind of challenge. And he's, you know, this is a different position he's playing right now as a wing back versus the fullback in a back four. And he's adjusted really well. And it almost, in some ways it suits his game better because he is so good with the ball at his feet and so good um, passing, but he doesn't have the wheels that you usually expect from a wing back who can get forward and back. And he manages to do it in a a reasonable way. Um, There are some times when he's out of position, but he, he mostly makes up for it because he's really good at tackling without going to ground it's it's a, a real skill that he has and i'm i'm here for it i'm happy with it you said uh, right now about the formation and we might have to get away from that because i think we're about to not play this formation for a little while um, and that brings us to the news i want to yeah. talk about uh we talked about Marquinhos Pedroso last week, and that deal is done. He's officially a member of DC United, just as Ben predicted last week. So kudos to you, Ben, on your fortune telling, your soothsaying abilities. Um, you combine I've, that I've with little bird. you combine that with something else Ben mentioned earlier in this show that Donovan Pines is out for about a month <laughs> with a grade two MCL okay. sprain. Um, that probably Wait, means strain. No sprains. You're right. Sprain. Yes. I'm sorry. Strain is worse, right? Yeah. Strain is no, a strains are muscles. Strains are muscles. Strains are muscles. Yes. Sprains are ligaments. Sprains are ligaments. Yeah. Okay. 
Filibuster not, is I'm, doctors. I'm not a doctor. Uh, no, 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 we are <laughs> definitely not doctors. Filibuster is my not medical advice is to go consult a doctor. <laughs> my medical advice to, is to get legal advice from Adam. <laughs> no, don't. Well, what if it I pertains to your right actual now. study? Anyway, <laughs> the arrival of Pedroso and the injury to Pines, who has been, by the way, awesome in that three back in the center of it. That recovery run he made to shut down Jesse Zardes by so itself so made it worth it. Oh, man, he's so good. He's fast and tall and good and really I was, good. I was trying to tell everybody last yeah. year. And we believed you, but you did. Damn, dude, Not you everyone. undersold it. <laughs> uh anyway the combination of these two things probably means we'll see a 4-2-3-1 return uh against sporting kansas city and if not then then shortly thereafter just because dc united will now have a a serviceable left back and they'll be down one center back so you put those things together and it, it just makes sense to go back to the 4-2-3-1 that worked so well for the first two weeks of the season and worked not so well once Joseph Mora got hurt. By the way, he's out probably until the end of June. We've seen reported um, he, he is back training, but when his jaw was broken, he was not eating solid food and he lost a lot of weight, which is a totally reasonable thing to have happen. So he's got to, to get fitness up, get his weight back up uh, and, and all that. So Pedroso looks likely to be the starter through a lot of the games of this second hell stretch of the season DC United has coming up. Um, I think after sporting Kansas city, it's three straight road games, two of them on short rest. So it's going to be, it's, it's not a, a pretty schedule coming isn't up. It, it's going to so, be tough. Isn't it Sunday? Isn't it Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday? Yeah. The, yes. the first week of it is insane. It's about as bad as you can get uh, traveling after both games. Yeah, so it's 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 a Sunday, Sunday, then a Wednesday, then a Saturday, then a Wednesday friendly. Ben, you love friendlies. Uh, yes, I love them. them so much. No, set them on <laughs> then, all fire. And then the uh, kick in the teeth at the very end, a Saturday game at New England on their garbage turf, and then a quick trip to Chicago after that before the end of the month. And then lest you think, oh, May is over and we're out of the woods. Saturday, June 1st, San Jose. So, yeah. May sucks. May is bad for us, y'all. It's seven games between May 12th and June 1st, including the friendly, which I guarantee you it's going to be the Ben Olsen Reserves and Loudon United show. Yeah, Um, April was bad too, but man. No, April's nothing. They better play Chris Hall and Dave (laughs) Johnson in that uh, Real Batiste friendly. May I volunteer three other names? Yes, uh, all of us, yes. We'll, we'll yeah. play. I'll bring my stuff. Um, yeah. I got cleats. If we took all of break, the... But... Well, yes, but if we took yeah. all of the uh, uh, Black and Red United staffers and we all played, we'd have like seven or eight of, a, of, a, of an 11, so we only need a couple more people. So You throw in the open wide guys, you know, Pablo, Seth, and, and Thomas, if, you... Look, there are now enough DC United podcasts where we could get 11 people onto the field almost um, just yeah. from podcasters. Podcast 11. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm All sure I'm sure yeah. Rayo Batiste would not be deeply offended <laughs> uh, by, by, by several overweight guys out the, there on the field. I, 
I bet I bet though, and this is this is a, a theory that I'm just now coming up with. Um, their level of of being offended might keep them from even participating in the game, which technically would allow the podcast Fine. eleven to defeat Real Batiste, who would forfeit. Um, so traditionally, think, that'd be a three nothing win. Yeah, so I think we should actually put this to the test now. I think we should <laughs> openly tell them, like, okay, what we're doing is we're sending out the podcasters that cover the team you thought you were going to play. Uh, but it's actually just some podcasters who are not in any in any instance professional or even semi professional players. Um, I haven't and, played soccer you know, prof- uh, since seventh grade. And, and then, then let this them is going to go over really well with the fans in the stadium. It's going to go. They're going <laughs> to. No one should this. go. No this one should be go. Awesome. Don't I go. Mean, don't go to the game. Well, don't, don't go do to the it. game if they send us to play. Your no. Don't your do season it tickets regardless. that this is included as a part of just. Return that for fam. You get the the store credit for yeah, don't do it. The value of your ticket. I think we're done with this segment, guys. I think we've reached the logical conclusion. Uh, last thing, uh, actual soccer thing. I was wrong. Just the last thing. Um, I think it was really important for Lucho to get a goal. Yes. Um, yeah. I think fair. mentally, I think he needed to see one go in without any issues he just the him pumping the ball into the back of the head it's an, for him it's a very easy finish it's not a beautiful goal it's just him crushing the ball from five yards out or whatever um but i think he really needed that one um so i'm i'm feeling a little more optimistic that we're going to start to see more normal lucho stuff i think by the end of this game we were starting to see more normal lucho stuff his um, swagger was definitely yeah, back. And, uh, and I think that bodes extremely well, especially, you know, throwing that formation change, um, getting him a little f- closer to goal, a little further upfield. Uh, the think, ability to press again. Right. All of those things kind of play in. So I think we, we there's a chance. I'm not saying I guarantee that we're back to peak uh, Lucharu, but there's a chance of making a progression towards that, which is a welcome step after a rough month or so where that was not happening. Yeah, Lucho almost had an assist in this one too. Um, a really nice ball that just, you know, is a, I don't even know if you call it a cross. It was from inside the box and it found Wayne Rooney's head. And Rooney nearly finished it. Zach Steffen with a good save, but good Lucho. We're all here for it. I will harbor no debate on that issue. We will be right back. Thank you for listening. This is Filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... Oh, you are. In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> 
Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Quick public service announcement. If you're listening to this on Sunday to get up for DC United versus Sporting Kansas City, stop this podcast right now, just just for a little bit, and go call your mother. It's Mother's Day. Call your mom. Thank us later. We'll wait. You can come back. Okay, now that's done. The Black and Red are back on Buzzard Point Sunday night to host the Sporks, who looked in the uh, CONCACAF Champions League earlier this year like they were a major threat to win the Supporters' Shield and, and make some noise for, for serious trophies this year. However, they now find themselves in 10th place in MLS's Western Conference, and they're coming off a couple of pretty dubious results. Cody Bradley covers them for SB Nation's The Blue Testament, our sister site, uh, on SBN, and he hosts the Shades of Blue podcast. Cody, welcome back to Filibuster. Thank you very much. Yes, I yeah, it's uh, been it's been a wild ride to start the season. <laughs> Before we get any uh, get into it, I have to ask you, what are you drinking? I am drinking as I will, as we indicated, it has been a wild ride and we're drinking pretty hard. The, the, our pod, our podcast over here was, uh, had to have beers ourselves and it is not a happy beer. It is a good old Bud Light. <laughs> that, that m- may be analogous to what happens on this podcast when DC United is very bad and underperforms for a long stretch of time where not a Bud Light lime. <laughs> no, Not- no, we didn't deserve. We didn't even deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we end up on straight shots of vodka if things go really badly. So we do. We do. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear for your sake that you're not there. Um, yes, not there yet. So, so injuries we've heard are a major uh, source of the the current kind of pain in in sporting Kansas City. You're going through a blue injury hell. Uh, what are the big pieces that you're missing right now, and and how does that affect the team? Yeah, it is. It man, it really did get out of hand. At, you know, the the last week they had on Tuesday of last week heading into face Atlanta United. <laughs> they on Tuesday they had to cancel practice because there was six players ready to suit up and train that day. Oh my and, goodness! You know, going going into that game, there was there's like eleven. I think 11 players is what we discovered are injured or unavailable. <laughs> and it's not just all bench players either. You know, I don't think anyone could have anticipated Roger Espinoza, Matt Beesler, and Ilya Sanchez all getting hurt at the exact same time. <laughs> so it's been pretty, so basically, it's been pretty devastating. This, basically, somebody did a Mortal Kombat fatality on you on, on the sports and just ripped the spine out of that team. Exactly. And that third goal against Atlanta, I, I'm pretty sure I heard finish him just before that. So. <laughs> I and mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's not even it, it goes well beyond just those three. I mean, even, you know, Beesler center back one and then Fontas center back two was also was also unavailable. And then, you know, Vermees went to numbers three and four and both of them <laughs> pretty hardcore disappointed the week prior. 
So la- last week against that attacking core, he was he was rocking his fourth and fifth string center back choices. So what you like to call an ideal scenario, I think. Ideal is the word I would use. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, what's it look like coming into to this coming weekend? Is anybody coming back or are Espinoza, Beasler, Ilya Sanchez and, and the rest still still on the shelf? Yeah, it it, it might improve a little bit. It lo- Ilya was back training today and, you know, he was he was not available to start the last two games, but he was <laughs> a lot of hardcore sporting fans know that even though he plays the holding midfield, which is not exactly like a glamorous star role, that Ilya was is about as important to this team as anyone out there. And so Vermees couldn't entirely leave him out, and he brought him on at halftime after seeing the terrible performances the last two weeks. But I do think he is going to be back, so that will help at least help them at least not be in a deficit or in too big of a hole to start the half. Uh, so it looks like he'll be back, but yeah, Roger is still Roger is still working. Is probably not going to be back for a while. Beesler was training. He is probably going to be available, but I'll be surprised if he actually starts. One name we we have heard is coming back uh, to Sporting Kansas City, if not necessarily the starting lineup this week, though. I wouldn't be surprised. Benny Failhaber uh, traded back from Colorado to Kansas City just today or yesterday, just before the uh, the primary transfer and trade window closed. Is he going to be able to help stop the bleeding, or how does he fit into this current version of of Sporting Kansas City? Yeah, I mean that's the hope, right? <laughs> um, the The midfield depth did but become I understand your a point. very yeah. <laughs> uh, I you know so the actually the discussion we had here was you know I'm like well he's he's playing in an MLS he probably played last week get this guy out on the field right like what are we waiting for? But then it was brought up to me that you know, Peter Vermees's sporting fit definition is far different from the situation that the Colorado Rapids are in. <laughs> so it is hard to say he wasn't, apparently he wasn't even in full training today. I don't, I don't know exactly why. Maybe he just arrived late, but I'm, I'm betting on him, on him, uh, at least being in the lineup. Um, if, if Ilya is in, is indeed able to come back, then I would probably say um, Benny will will fill in in front of him for like in Roger Espinosa's role. And I do you know there are a lot of people that, as much as they love Benny, don't even necessarily like this trade. Um, Abdul Guasubaye had some terrible games. He was one of he was the fourth string center back I was referring to, and didn't play well. But he is very athletic. A lot of people liked his potential. And, you know, they had to give away an international roster slot. And so, you know, not everyone is all the way happy, but the the team needed his – he's able to play all three midfield spots, and that just opens up so much for what Vermees can do with other players. You know, a big problem was that the only guy that could play behind Ilya or play in Ilya's spot if he was unavailable is Felipe Gutierrez. Not that he was that good, but he was just the only option. And if he goes back there, then all of the punch in the attacking midfield is gone. So Benny Benny allows him, 
you know, he can fill in for Ilya, he can play for Roger, and both of those will allow Felipe to stay forward in the attack. So it it kind of sucks, that it, but it was just necessary. And, hey, I love Benny, so let's go. <laughs> uh, Cody, I know the injury thing is, is the major story since, like you said, the training session was abandoned due to injuries. Um, and, and, you know, guys that just out of town for, um, what is it? Uh, Busio's with the, uh, youth national team, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, Busio so, and Freeman are with U17s right now. Right. Um, so I know those are the, uh, the big things at the moment, but how much of this, uh, this slump that Kansas city is in right now, how much of that do you attribute to what happened in the champions league? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's obviously uh, the question there. You know, we saw Toronto last year have a pretty hard mm-hmm. uh, Champions League hangover throughout the whole season. Um, and, you know, while they were still in that competition, like, say, against the match in, in Cincinnati, where they were only able to get a draw, you know, Vermees went with a gamble, and he, he put basically a second-team lineup out there to face Cincinnati mm-hmm. and that started this this winless streak so in that regard yes like while he was balancing the lineups that definitely played a factor and I mean that yes they could have pulled out a win where they were drawing some of these like the there was a win there against New York and I so I do think it affected that but as as of late I you know a lot of people want to blame all these injuries, you know, if everyone's getting hurt, it must mean something or there must be a reason. That's what people are searching for. So it does go to that. They're all tired, but I don't, you know, I don't know if I buy that. I I would, I would put a lot of this just on some fluke injury. I mean, Gerso's injury was, is a broken arm (laughs) from falling into the goal. Like, so I, I'm not putting too much emphasis on fatigue from that competition. I'm sure it might have taken some of the wind out of their sails, you know, the last two against Monterey being destroyed. But Vermees, you know, Vermees is a very strict guy. He's good at motivating his players, and I'd be surprised if they were on a on a hangover from that. So staying in the in the same kind of area, um, Sporting Kansas City hasn't won since March, and. Peter Vermees is the longest tenured coach in MLS. Is there any, do you think there's any fatigue at Peter Vermees? Just since, I mean, he's had so much success. He's been a really good coach for so long. And I mean, as a non sporting Kansas city fan, I kind of hate his, uh, his success, <laughs> but that's, that's neither here nor there, but do you think there's any, any fatigue about him in the locker room? Uh, given how well, long he's been there and, and given how well, strict he seems, at least to us on the outside. Okay. So are you saying you're asking more in the locker room as opposed to the fans? Uh, fatigue for Vermeer? Uh, both, but I was initially asking uh, for the players, but I, I, I would also like to hear uh, what the fans think about him. Well, for the players, I, I'm I'm quite confident that no, there's none of that. I anyone that's affiliated with this team, I think, sees his genius and um, appreciates 
the level that he expects of his players, you know, especially compared to some other teams in the league. So, no, I, I, I don't think – I'm even trying to think of at least one player that, that might be growing wary of him. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. That was a long discussion on our pod as well. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so I, I, yeah, as, as far as the players, no. I think they're going to have all the confidence in the world. I think everyone on, w- within the club is just trying to bear down right now and get healthy and try to like, get through this stretch. Because we've seen many teams do this in MLS. You know, Seattle's done it the last two years in a row, being horrible and then getting hot at the right time. So I think the team is is on board there. But, yeah, I mean, that that is always the thing. I wish I had you next to me when I'm arguing with other Sporting Kansas City fans <laughs> about Vermeer when, when, when you say that you're envious of it. Because that is always my point. It's, it just, it's absurd to me. It might just be because, you know, I'm, some, I'm I mean, in he's the a media, jerk. Uh, I, I don't to, like to some extent. I don't like him, yeah. but he is good at what he does. Oh yeah, yeah. He's one of those. Yeah, I I do like him as a guy, but I mean, you know, yeah, he's your coach. Same so, situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the I mean, guy he you was, want on your side, but you'd be annoyed otherwise. <laughs> he was good enough to have his name floated quite a bit, actually, for the U.S. national team uh, post. Yeah, and. As Ben mentioned, Vermees is the longest tenured coach in MLS at this point. <clears throat> was there any thought during that incredibly uh, extended vacancy at the U.S. men's oh, national yeah. team that that you guys might be losing Vermees and what the post Vermees era might look like at at Sporting Kansas City? Yeah, no, that was that was a very real thing that I was um, that I was like trying to avoid even thinking about <laughs> because, you know, Vermees isn't just, you know, he's the technical director. He oversees everything with the, you know, with the youth system. It's he, he is like, I, I don't think people understand how much of what sporting Kansas city is, is just, it's just purely Vermees and what is in his head and his, and his plan for all of this. So it would be, it would be pretty devastating. <laughs> Uh, he does have, you know, you asked about life after him. He does have Carrie Zavagnin as his assistant who's been with him since I, th- I believe they even played together in, in the, you know, early 2000s or the late 90s. And so he's been with them the whole time. And, and you know, most people at the club that are close to them are going to say that KZ is, is, would be a very worthy replacement and might not even be much of a hiccup without Vermees because they've been together for so long. But yeah, that it, it did become a very real thing for a while until, of course, all the news came out about how the U.S. soccer hasn't even really interviewed anybody <laughs> except for Burr and that was out for a long time before they actually announced him. So yeah, once once all that came out, where apparently Burr is their only choice and they don't care about anybody else, I felt safe. Uh, I, I guess I, I kind of want to bring it to uh, a little uh, local link to Kansas City. Um, After a long time of not really quite gaining purchase with Arsenal, with uh, Rangers, um, Gideon Zalalem ended up coming back to the U.S., but he's playing with Sporting Kansas City. He's from uh, out here. Um, How is he settling in so far? Has he been – I know he hasn't played a ton, but obviously the injuries have forced anyone that is able-bodied to get out there. Yeah, that's exactly it. I 
so whenever they made that signing and you know he is a very well recognized name in in US in the US soccer community so i honestly when the signing happened i was like i can't wait to see you know US soccer twitter lose their mind whenever he gets loaned out to Stuart Park and just plays there for the whole year <laughs> mm. but you know when all of these injuries occurred there has been a necessity and you know he was in last week against LA and he's yeah i mean i we we talked about him briefly on the pod tonight i thought he you know i thought he's shown up fairly well he's kind of been thrown in the ring of fire doesn't you know a big part of playing on vermice's field is knowing exactly your role and being able to do it for every single second of the 90 minutes in his system and you know zalalem hasn't had a lot of time to learn that role so it's you know there's definitely some growing pains there but i've i've definitely liked what i've seen from him uh and you know it's just kind of one of those it was very peter vermice signing where you know, not a whole lot of risk. They're not paying him a whole lot, but man, this could turn out to be, you know, he he could, he could figure out his form again and, you know, make the club a couple million dollars. So. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about maybe one end of the field where Kansas city hasn't really been hit that hard. Um, Johnny Russell, Christian Namath, um, they've been staying more or less healthy. I mean, they might be playing through Knox because they can't rest because everyone else is hurt, but um, it seems like they've been able to be pretty consistently effective, even if the rest of things haven't gone so well lately. Yes. All of that is correct until, until last week's game. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's true. Johnny's Johnny's tricks were, you know, just the splitting defenders. It just, it was one of those games where it just wasn't working for him. And Namath, you know, couldn't quite get his touch right. But yes, the that is the area of the field where, you know, I don't, I, I'm confident that this team, even you know, Gerso's out. That's kind of the the first choice uh, left mm. winger at the moment. But you know, even with that, I I'm confident that this team can score on any on any team in Major League Soccer. So going forward, even with this, you know, ragtag crew in the in defense. I think it's just I think a lot of these games are going to be kind of high flying and it's just the hope is that Johnny's tricks are working, Namath puts away a couple chances and they just it yeah, the the goal there is it's odd, but just the goal is just to score more than the other team. <laughs> the way we like to end these interviews is usually by asking you to um switch sides for a moment and, and tell us how you would game plan against the team that, that you cover or you support. So if you were lined up against Peter Vermees, what would you be focusing on against the Sporks? Well, right now I, I have to imagine Luciano Acosta and, and everyone else over there is just kind of licking their chops, looking at this, at the defense right now. Um, even you know, Botan Barath is is the third choice center back, and he's probably going to be there. And he's formidable. We we I do like him a lot. But you know, he's paired with he's paired with Graham Smith, who that was like his second MLS game last week. And there's just and and then uh, also so we got Zusi Zusi's probably going to be out over on the outside, and Nick Hassler will probably be be playing for him over there. 
And man, they, they just have to be licking their chops. And at least what has historically worked, and it looked like this is what Atlanta was doing last week, was you know start out the game sitting back a little bit, uh, get a feel for what they're what Sporting Kansas City is doing, and then just very quickly flip a switch and you know use speed on the other end. It, it can be a counterattacking thing or just sit back and see. <laughs> who is actually working in this system and where all the holes are. And then you can flip it over into like more of a take the possession away from sporting, which is what they normally want to do. And because the, the midfield at the moment is not going to be able to control the pace of play and all of that, which they normally are used to. So yes, the I, I have to imagine it, it does. It's not going to take a lot more than just some speed on a counter attack to defeat this back line. <laughs> And sporting will leave themselves open to that because they like to control the game and get way forward. So the goals, the goals will definitely be there. And <laughs> I imagine on, I imagine on the counterattacks. All right, Cody, thanks so much for coming on. Um, could you tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and wherever else online? Uh, yes. Yeah, so on Twitter, I am at that Cody though. And our, the, you know, the blog is the blue Testament and, I, I often like to go listen to the other SB Nation sites podcast before we play a game. So, yeah, I invite everyone to come listen to our Shades of Blue we just recorded. We waxed lyrical about Wayne Rooney for a bit and <laughs> and Lucky Acosta. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I, I commend everyone to, to go check that out. Find us, of course, at blackandredunited.com and support us if you're so inclined at patreon.com slash filibuster. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu for the website at filibusterdcu for the podcast. You can find all our personal Twitter accounts on the podcast bio as well. Uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, overcast the internet archive where wherever you get your podcasts you can probably find us i think that even includes spotify now ben am i right on that it sure does all right there you go so if you're a spotify person you can go there you can stay there whatever the case may be um Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the podcast, whether you're at the bar before the game on Sunday or just you find a DC United fan in the street. I don't know why you're meeting a random person in the street. You do you. But mention the podcast while you're you're doing that. I'd appreciate that. For Jason and Ben and thanking Cody one more time, I'm Adam, and we'll talk at you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. No more Ted Uncle. <laughs> Ever. Agreed. Thank you.